It is January of 2021. Good afternoon, Seven Investors, and welcome to the Monday edition, the first one of the year of Seven Investing Now. My name is Daniel Brooks Klein. My friends call me Dan. I'm joined today by Steve Symington and Austin Lieberman. Steve, I'll let you go first. How was your New Year's? New Year's was uh, pretty chill. Just played card games and and uh, yeah, stayed up until just a little after midnight, and, and that's about the extent of it. So heard some fireworks going off, but uh, yeah, pretty pretty tame this time. I tried to stay up till midnight. I made it till about eleven fifteen. Austin Lieberman, how was your New Year's? Uh, it was good. I think I was asleep by like nine ten o'clock. <laughs> I've got young kids, so anytime I can get to sleep, I I go to sleep. Sometimes it's I don't even want to, and I just fall asleep. <laughs> So guys, we, we have all been struggling this morning. Slack is down. I, I didn't quite realize how important Slack was to my general mental health until today when I type some things in, it's not working. So this is actually a global problem. This is, of course, an interactive show. So please get your comments in. We'd like to hear from you. We will take your questions. Uh, this is 7investing now, and we're going to start with our top story. Uh, that's the biggest thing going on today, and it is a big one. Guys, China. China is in the news. Uh, so the top story is, should Americans be wary of investing in China? And this comes after China has vowed to uh, respond to the fact that three companies have been delisted from the New York Stock Exchange. These aren't companies you've necessarily heard of. It's uh, China Telecom Corp Limited, China Mobile Limited, and China Unicom Hong Kong Limited. Not exactly public names, uh, but Steve, is this something uh, we should be worried about? Um, I, I think it's, it's sort of one of those things, you know, where these are companies where people don't maybe stateside don't know very well, but they're pretty big over there. Um, and, you know, I think uh, people are more concerned about, you know, retaliation. Uh, you know, it's, it's definitely not doing anything to kind of ease trade tensions and, and, uh, macro tensions. There's just a lot going on over there. Um, but at the same time, a lot of analysts are saying, you know what, um, China's response to, you know, the sort of unfriendly actions by the U.S. Uh, for their their co companies is is probably won't be too severe because it's kind of like we have to need each other. Uh, you know, it's sort of frenemies situation. So um, we'll see. I'm not particularly worried about it, and I don't own them, so I'm not. They're <laughs> there either. So, yeah. I, I'm I'm not worried about these stocks I don't own. Uh, Austin, your thoughts here. Yeah, I think I I have no idea what those companies are. I've never even looked at them. Um, but the thing it makes me conscious of is just investing in China in general. I, I don't I don't own any Chinese companies and I don't plan to. Um, people might think that that's naive or something like that. Um, but I just the fact of the matter is I just don't understand them. And we've even seen China go after uh, Ant Group and Alibaba, which are two of the largest you know companies of Alibaba is like one of the larger companies in the world, I think. So if it can happen to those companies, it can happen to anybody. And then it just does make me wary of, uh, things are, um, things are volatile, right? So, uh, even just headlines of negative headlines between us and Chinese relations or international trade relations can impact the whole market. The market's down today. Is it because of that? I don't know. Maybe. Um, so, it just reinforces the idea to focus on owning great long-term companies, not 
little companies we've never heard of that we hope go up 10, 20, 30% in a month or two or whatever. That happened a lot in 2020, but we're in a new year, baby. Things are going to be different. Uh, let's just let's just own great companies for a long time. And even when you own a great company, you have to look at uh, the regulations it faces. Where is that company listed? What country? What, what does it operate under? There are added pressures on Chinese companies. I don't own any Chinese stocks. I don't think I would uh, because I don't understand the government. I don't understand sort of what's going on between the two countries. So for me, there's plenty of good companies to own. I would skip it. Steve, do you worry about this escalating? You know, could, could this end up with like Disney movies not playing in China? Right now, Seoul is doing really, really well uh, uh, in the box office in China. Could this get sort of a, a little bit more tit for tat? Yeah, uh, it could. Um, you know, th- that's sort of always been the worry, though. Uh, I guess it, it's, it's sort of a, a par for the course uh, when it comes. And, you know, this doesn't, you know, I, I will say, you know, I, I've only got one Chinese company in my portfolio. I had a couple that I sold. Um, for other concerns, but I, I still own shares of JD myself. And I think there is a lot of opportunity uh, to invest in China. There are some great companies, but um, it, it really makes you hesitate. Uh, you know, when, when you see, um, when you see so much uh, that, that prohibits people from owning some of these, these big leading companies and uh, the potential for it escalating, it's a risk that you need to take it, you know, that you need to take into account when you own them. But um yeah, it does make me second guess whether I want them in my portfolio. Like you said, there's a lot of great companies elsewhere. Uh, there's no shortage of opportunities, and uh, and you know there's a lot of places to put our money to work. So um, it does make me hesitate. I'm, I'm Austin, I'm, I'm a oh, let me let me jump in here. I'm a Starbucks shareholder. Should I be worried? Uh, China's the number two market. Could they all of a sudden nationalize Starbucks or you know put a tax on them or who knows what they would do? Yeah. Dan, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I was going to say something along the same lines, right? Like I think uh, with Starbucks, it's something to be aware of. Starbucks is a company uh, in a product that uh, they probably employ a lot of people in China. And I don't know exactly the, the details. They have a lot of stores in China. They bring a lot of business and and I'm sure um, the, the government and the economy is stronger because Starbucks is there. But could there be some type of a short-term impact? Sure. Um, the other company that I'm, I'm, I love, but I'm cautious on, especially at the valuation it has, is the Trade Desk. I believe a lot of the Trade Desk's future and why the stock is as overvalued as it is right now uh, is because of expectations of Chinese growth. That they could be impacted. Uh, severely by even headlines from China or regulations. They're they're partnering with a lot of Chinese companies for um, future advertising revenues and things like that. Uh, the trade desk is, is one I'm keeping an eye on. And if it has a significant sell-off, I would love to own shares again at some point, but um, keep an eye on, on the trade desk. Yeah, I'll say as a Starbucks shareholder, I'm not overly concerned, but it is something I'm keeping an eye on because China does have a history of nationalizing businesses and it's you know, as complicated as it is to make Austin's half-calf, double-skinny, mocha latte, cappuccino, frappe, uh, that's not rocket science. So this is a business you could nationalize and operate. You know, it doesn't take a special amount of expertise. So that does scare me a little bit, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think China wants global dollars, and they're not going to do something that provocative. As we close this up, uh, let me go to Steve on this one. Are you a little bit worried that Jack Ma has not appeared in public in two months? Uh, has he been North Korea? Like this doesn't seem good. That's that's really odd. Um, 
you know, (laughs) that it, that it just popped up. And then it's like, this is one of the most high profile billionaires, business leaders in the world. And wait, he's been gone for two months at, you know, the public, and it could be that he's just, I don't know, out of the public eye, who knows, um, you know, why he's not surfacing, but yeah, that's, that's really worrisome. (laughs) And, uh, you know, a lot of people are concerned that, you know, China's government did something to him because he was basically, uh, angry with them partially over the ant group IPO. And he wants more of like a free market economy and China's, um, you know, their, the, their government isn't particularly interested in fostering that. And, uh, you know, so that's a concern with larger companies, you know, how big, um, you know, how, how great can some of these businesses become if they're hamstrung by that? And, uh, you know, putting the, the personal situation and, uh, you know, strangeness aside for Jack Ma, that makes me think about the opportunity as a whole. Jack Ma, if you're out there, we would love to have you on Wednesday's edition of seven investing. Now tweet us, Call us, send Austin a message, let us know where you are and that everything is okay. Uh, this is something to worry about. Uh, and the Ant Group IPO appears no closer to happen. happening. Joey Klein, Happy New Year. Thank you. We appreciate it. Uh, please get your comments in. We would love to take your questions. We would love to talk to you. Now, we're uh, before we do what we're watching, what we're watching is where you guys bring stories. Uh, and it's what you want to talk about. Steve, the first of the month was New Year's Day. Mm-hmm. It was also the day our new picks dropped. I hate when people say dropped. It was when our new picks were released. Uh, we each write a big, long story explaining why we made a pick. Uh, and those became public on January 1st. The response has been overwhelming. Steve, how do people sign up if they'd like to get access to those picks? Yeah, you want to see all of our, our new January picks that were released on Friday, and we're buying them at the market close today, 7investing.com forward slash subscribe. If you're already not a, a subscriber, uh, you can see not only those, but every pick that we've recommended since we launched last March. So uh, that's what we're, you know, that's kind of the core of our service here. So we're, we're excited. Uh, kind of interesting timing because we release them on the first of the month, no matter what. And then we buy them the following trading, you know, the, the trading day after they've been released at the market close. So we don't try and you know, front run and buy these stocks like, you know, some short sellers might do uh, open a short position and then, you know, try and drive the price down. That's not how we operate here. We're long-term investors. So uh, 7investing.com forward slash subscribe is where you can find them. We hope to have you join us. We do uh, private calls for members. We do a new member call every month. You get videos where we each pitch each other on the stocks we're going to talk about. The China opportunity says, uh, not feeling the sell-off with my China picks today. Some great opportunities out there. Investing is about finding value where others don't. Uh, Yeah, it it absolutely can be. And it's just important to remember the risk involved. Guys, it's time for what we're watching. Steve, you wanted to talk about Tesla. Tesla, huge miss. It fell short by, I don't know, like eight cars of its 500,000 car goal. And everything is a flutter. Steve, your thoughts here. Right. Um, so it's funny because uh, the China opportunity, that comment, he mentioned Neo is one of his China picks up today. And that's part of the reason is uh, because people are happy with Tesla's miss today. Uh, technically, they fell short of the 500,000 annual vehicle delivery goal. Uh, they ended up when all was said and done, um, well, 180,570 vehicles in the fourth quarter. That brought their full year 2020 deliveries to 499,550. Basically, right at you know nearly at the goal. So you see some headlines that uh, that say Tesla fell short of Elon Musk's 500, you know, 
$500,000 vehicle delivery goal, really an arbitrary number. Um, those who follow the company closely know that we take these goals with a grain of salt. I think the first time he set that goal was back in like, he said he wanted to do it by 2018. And uh, you know how things play out. And something else to keep in mind, just a couple of months ago at Tesla's annual shareholder meeting, uh, Musk said that um, their current run rate at the time implied that they would deliver between, it was about 478,000 to 515,000 vehicles. This is just above the midpoint of that range. It was just fine. It technically beat Wall Street's expectations, even if they technically fell short of that goal. So that's why Tesla's up 4%. NEO uh, is up 9%, I think, on, on the heels of that news, because China is a pretty big driver for Tesla as well. Um, but, you know, all around, people are happy with it, and that's why Tesla is rallying to another ridiculous all-time high. Uh, congrats, Tesla shareholders! So, Steve, are you bullish on Tesla? I have to say, like, I can't imagine that there are 180,000 Americans who, during a pandemic, bought an, a really expensive electric vehicle. Like yeah. to me, that seems unfathomable. So, I guess that's a good sign for the company. Yeah, but I can't. Global too, so not just True. Americans, you know. But uh, yeah, uh, it's you know, I, I, I guess over the long term, the other thing to keep in mind is is Musk has said that he wants to increase their uh, vehicle deliveries by to twenty million annually over the next decade or so. So ten years from now, he wants to bring that to twenty million. This, these are still really early stages. That's also not to mention the potential for you know their energy ambitions, their solar, their battery technology. There's a lot going on here. Uh, the market is very forward looking, uh, even if Tesla's valuation might seem uh, frothy. I'm not selling my shares, and uh, and, and people might um, think it's it's this mind boggling run that can't possibly continue. And you know, I would welcome a pullback, and I'd consider adding on it. Uh, but, uh, it's, it's been an insane run for Tesla for a reason. And, uh, and I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't bet against them at this point. So that's, I'll say that the road from 500,000 to 20 million is a really long road. And he, he might as well say, I want a billion cause it's kind of a preposterous number. Um, I, I don't know. I know a lot of people love this company. They're infatuated with Musk. To me, he, he just seems like, a little too much genius mixed with con man. I, I am not, I, I'm not a fan and it keeps me away. And I know everyone's going to hate me on Twitter for that. Uh, it's a great company. They have great aspirations. I just don't see it getting to that, you know, you know, even 2 million, let alone 20 million. But Austin, you wanted to talk about zoom. We're not doing this show on zoom, but we do some of our other calls on zoom. Your comment was, it's really interesting. Again, do you mean the stock price? Yeah, well, Zoom as a business, um, it, the the size of the the market cap now in relation to their sales and what I think their sales growth is going to be, and then in turn the stock price uh, is interesting to me again. So um, I own some shares of Zoom. Uh, I was much more bullish on it throughout 2020, and if people follow me on Twitter, you could have seen uh, my my thoughts on it. But um, then when it got up to around 150 billion dollar market cap. Uh, I was less bullish and um, actually got rid of my shares and then re-entered a little bit later. But the moral of the story is that I had an investment thesis for Zoom at the beginning of really in 2019 and then into 2020. That five-year thesis basically played out in 2020. Uh, it got to where I couldn't see it um, 5Xing or 10Xing because it, from a $150 billion market cap, I couldn't see that as easily. It has sold off and it's currently 37% down from its highs. I think it has sold off a lot because of the narrative 
vaccines are out. Um, we're going to return to somewhat of a normal and people are going to go back to work and they're not going to use Zoom. Uh, I am of the belief that we are never, ever, ever not going to need something like Zoom or other remote collaboration tools. Zoom has competitors. They're far and people misunderstand or are underestimating zoom as just a, they're still underestimating zoom as just a video platform. This company is one of the best companies at execution in the world. They're one of the most innovative companies in the world. And they're one of the, they've, they've scaled faster than almost any company in history. Uh, and I, I'm going to increase my own position in zoom. It may become a seven investing recommendation of mine in the next couple months, uh, subscribe and find out, but it's down. It had $161 billion market cap down to $100 billion today. Um, they're going to have $2.5 billion in revenue in fiscal year 2021, which is just finishing for them. So they're a little ahead. So just think 2021 fiscal year is just finishing. If they don't grow revenue at all, so they have 0% growth and they just get $2.5 billion again in the next year, that means they'll have $5 billion in revenue about a year from now. That puts their $100 billion valuation at 20x, which is not that expensive when you talk about the quality business of Zoom. Then if they don't grow again from there, that's another $5 billion in revenue. So they would have $10 billion in revenue at the end of fiscal year 2023. That's at 10x sales from today. So we would be talking about no growth in the stock price from then till now. But when we think about risk reward, how crazy the market has been, I'm really interested in Zoom and then and then just their year in the re- year interview they released Zoom apps, Zoom for home on Zoom which is virtual events taking place on on the Zoom platform you can host there and they've got a platform for it. Zoom 5.0 which is encryption and all kinds of different stuff. Uh, and th- now there's talk about calendar and email from Zoom. So this company I think people are really underestimating it. Yeah, so people talk about Zoom as a stay-at-home stock, and here's the problem with that. When we get to the the sort of new normal, the, or normal normal, old normal, I guess it is, when we all have a vaccine, we're going to Zoom less in that there are going to be situations where we have in-person meetings. But even the, the seven of us at 7investing, let's say we have a group get-together, the odds that all seven of us can go are going to be difficult. So there might be a meeting now that takes place where everyone's on Zoom, that going forward, a couple of people are going to be on Zoom. I, I know that when I last work with you know colleagues in different offices, sometimes I would physically be in the office, but not be able to get to the room where the meeting was. So I might Zoom into a meeting, or I might be sitting next to someone, and we're both in the meeting on Zoom. So this isn't just a remote work technology. It's also sort of a convenient thing. When I worked for Microsoft, half the time you couldn't technically get to the meeting you were supposed to get to because of where the how big the campus was and where things were. So it can absolutely be a challenge. I'm bullish on Zoom. I, I think there's going to be, it's sort of become a bedrock of society. I've talked about this a lot. Um, you know, my mother's tap dance class is all on Zoom and happy birthday, mom, if you're watching. Um, and that class, while it's not going to be on Zoom after this, for most people, it's still going to be there for the person who's traveling, for the person who's sick. So I think this has become something that's like a default for every company. Schools that are using Zoom. Well, a kid's homesick. Uh, can is he well enough to watch? Is is someone you know immune compromised and can't come to school? Well, all the technology's there to do it. I think that's going to happen. I think that's going to be huge. As we head into the home stretch, uh, 
we would welcome your comments. We're getting some comments. We appreciate it. Uh, but feel free to ask questions, things you want us to talk about. For the home stretch today, what trends are you following in 2021? I know for me, it's all about streaming TV, but I'll leave this to you, Austin. Yeah, we just talked about one um, hybrid remote work or work from home is here to stay. No company, no public company CEO is going to be able to use uh, we weren't prepared or this surprised us as an excuse when the next global emergency hits. It might not be a pandemic, but it could be something else that um, disrupts being able to go to workplaces. So that is not going to be able to be an excuse for anybody. So the tools and the key tools that actually enable that are, are going to continue to be important, like Zoom, which I just talked about. Uh, and then just quickly, um, I think we turned a page in remote and digital healthcare. It's it's accepted now. So now we're going to hit the, the growth phase. And I think it's going to be exponential over the next 10 years. Uh, growth in renewable energy for a long time. Uh, renewable energy, things like solar and uh, even wind turbines and rare earth metals, those have been uh, too costly to produce to make them economically viable. I think uh, we're innovating fast enough to where those are going to be real sustainable businesses without the need for as many government credits and tax credits and things like that. Uh, and then just two big ones, data and data security. We're going to create more data. This is according to AWS. I'm going to get this stat wrong, but over the next three years, we're going to create more data than in the previous 30 years combined. What are we, what are we going to do with it? How are we going to store it? How are we going to make business decisions with it? And then how are we going to secure it? We've seen that in the news. Uh, and then space stuff, just because it's awesome and interesting. Um, excited to learn learn more about space and see see what we do there. In 2020, we'll be broadcasting from space. Uh, no, that's probably not likely to happen. Uh, one of the things I'm really excited about is 2019, pre-pandemic, we were living in the co-working era. We were seeing an explosion of the sort of idea that, you know, you you have a shared space, maybe you have a private office, but there's coffee and uh, the place I have might have snacks and there's beer and there's all sorts of stuff. Um I think co-living is going to become a trend going forward because as people move away from where their office is, they're still going to want to physically go to the office. So maybe you move to Arizona and your office is San Francisco. You might fly in a few days a month and I see some of the office space becoming co-living where you get sort of a dorm room or even more like a train bunk, uh, you know, where you pay a certain amount a month or a certain amount per night. It's not quite a hotel and it has that co-working space. It has that sort of camaraderie, but it's also sort of a cheap way to put a lot of people up. That's going to require some zoning changes in many cities. Steve, what are you looking forward to in 2021? Oh, I'll be watching uh, a few different trends pretty closely. And, uh, you know, that's subject to change, of course, depending on what the new year brings, because, you know, we all know 2020 didn't turn out how we thought it would at the start, you know, from the start. (laughs) (laughs) That is putting it mildly. If you had asked us at the end of 2019, if we thought there'd be a 10 month or however many months it has been global pandemic that has us all stuck at home. I, I don't think anyone would have said that. We might have all made jokes about Quibi, uh, and we would not have talked pandemic. <laughs> Steve, yeah, sorry, back to wildfires, right? So, uh, I guess top of my list um, for the things that I'll be watching uh, are are those industries whose growth stories were accelerated by the pandemic. I want to see if they're sustainable. Um, you know, so I'm talking. You know, in addition to the stuff Austin said, you know, we have remote digital healthcare, of course, and and data data security. You know, I watch closely from some of my picks. Um, at seven investing, uh, but also things like home robotics, uh, online education, network infrastructure companies. Um, these are businesses that, uh, 
that not only have their stories been accelerated by the pandemic, but their management teams are largely predicting that their momentum should prove sustainable even as the pandemic wanes. So that is something that I want to watch very closely this year uh, because I think uh, as the pandemic does wane, you know, we've seen a lot of pullbacks that are really unjustified uh, in, in these companies as, you know, you say, whoops, you know, economy's reopening, let's pivot. And, uh, it's silly because I think as soon as their underlying strength becomes more clear, that's when, uh, things start to get kind of fun, uh, from an individual investor's standpoint. And uh, I think this will prove to be, uh, a stock pickers market and we can take advantage of that and, and, uh, prove our worth, uh, just like we did in 2020. I will say that when the pandemic ends, puzzle sales are going to go down. Uh, here's the thing. There's nothing fun about a puzzle. Stop pretending it's enjoyable. This is not good. I used to run a toy store where people bought tons of puzzles. Um, nope. This is a trend that's going to end. We appreciate so many of you watching us. Not a ton of people commenting, but a ton of people watching uh, here on January 4th, 2021. I keep saying it out loud because it seems unfathomable to me. I feel like it was like a year ago when my wife spent January 1st, uh, 2000 in Times Square. We booked a hotel room for the next night sort of to see the aftermath. Uh, you know, and the world didn't end. The ATM still worked. Our computers didn't crash. And we are now 21 years later. But Austin, Steve, time to hit our finisher. Sam Bailey, if you want to share the graphic, we appreciate it. Which do you want to learn more about in 2021? This was closer than I thought. 34.4% uh, said Bitcoin. 23.5% said the Internet of Things. 24.9% said virtual slash augmented reality. And 17.1% said autonomous vehicle tech. Uh, for me, I'm kind of most interested in the Internet of Things. Austin, uh, do any of these uh, speak to you that you want to learn more about in 2021? Yeah, if anybody follows me on Twitter, you know how much of a Bitcoin bull I've been for all basically the last 10 years. I mean, I nailed it. I called it. I owned it when I was like 30 cents. Uh, on a serious note, um, I, I want to learn more about Bitcoin and I am learning more about Bitcoin. I'm reading slash listening to a book, The Bitcoin Standard. Uh, and I think there's a potential very real place for it in per people's portfolios as maybe a small position. That's not a, a recommendation to anybody, but just how I'm thinking about it. The thing I, the thing that was like caught in my mind was just how many absolutists there are out there that talk about Bitcoin as if it's this guaranteed thing and the US dollars guaranteed to crash, all that stuff. I don't really buy any of that stuff, but I am open to the idea that Bitcoin has a place in people's portfolio if we're aware of the risk and things like that. Uh, so I'm trying to keep an open mind about Bitcoin and, and not let the narrative pushers like push me away. The extremists push me away from it. That's kind of what happened to me before. And it's, I'm trying to improve my thinking, right? Bitcoin is one of those ones where I don't comment on Twitter because the bulls are incredibly bullish. Uh, I made the mistake of, of talking about online betting on Twitter. Uh, and a lot of people get that wrong and they're very, very passionate about their feelings on it. So I'm not saying any more because uh, I already had those interactions this weekend. Steve, <laughs> your thoughts here. Um, I. I, to go in reverse, you know, actually, is it weird to say that I'm least interested in virtual and augmented reality? I know there's all sorts of interesting stuff, but it seems like this thing, like they, they've constantly pushed it. Um, but I, I mean, I know a lot about all four of these industries, but um, I, I am interested most to about in Bitcoin to see uh, not just Bitcoin, but cryptocurrencies in general, uh, I, I think. 
are going to be an interesting uh, developing story in 2020. And uh, I I see a question down there from from our own <laughs> Simon Erickson. Will you personally be buying any Bitcoin in 2021? Um, maybe uh, it's possible, but uh, I, I haven't been interested in it before. I know Simon owned it a long time ago and uh, and did quite well um, there. But uh, yeah, it's. I, I, uh, I, I would have I would have said 100% no, but I'm actually coming around to it a little bit in terms of I'm not saying I'm going to buy some. I'm saying I'm I'm more open to the idea. Austin, I'll give you the last word. Are, do you own Bitcoin? Will you be buying Bitcoin? Will you be uh, paying off uh, some of the bets we make in Bitcoin <laughs> this year? Uh, there's a I don't own any currently. There's a likely case that I will buy a small amount of um, GBTC, which is a grayscale Bitcoin trust. And I know Bitcoin fandom is going to come out and say, don't do that. That's dumb. There's a premium on it, blah, blah, blah. But um, there's a whole lot of like digital security issues. I'll like lose. If I had a digital wallet, I would lose it. I would lock myself out or whatever. If I can own grayscale Bitcoin trust and just small amounts in my uh, in my brokerage account for basically pay zero to buy it versus on Coinbase. If you buy Bitcoin, there's like a, a one or $3 fee or something like that. Uh, and just slowly with a very small percentage, just buy some on the ups and downs. I think that's that's how I, as an investor, will function best. I will probably buy some in 2021. That also means we're probably at a top for Bitcoin because I'm interested <laughs> in it again. <laughs> I, I would not count out a pullback. Um, you know, I'm not entirely convinced this crazy rise is, is is sustainable in the near term but uh, who knows over the long term you know I've, we are going to get so attacked after this show we're done <laughs> yeah, I, I, I gotta say I, and it does have a place i i think so i don't understand what it is i hope to learn more about it in the coming year that's it we're done the first edition of seven investing now in 2021 we've got roughly 160 more of these to come this year uh, that sounds really daunting when you say it out loud so if you want to get in touch with us, that's really easy to do. You can send an email to info at 7 That email usually goes to Steve. And I will point out, I keep making all these like, well, we're not necessarily going to answer quick because it's a holiday. I'm pretty sure we were all talking at roughly 10 o'clock last night where emails were getting sent out uh, and, and answered. <laughs> so we are a really responsive group. We also need hobbies. I, I think it's not necessarily great that, that we're responding to 7investing emails, man. Uh, apparently it, it is. I, I, I tried to have fun uh, during this break. We watched Wonder Woman. Not fun. The new Wonder Woman is absolutely terrible. I liked the first one. The new one is like if all you knew about the 1980s was the movie Valley Girl mixed with no plot. Like that, It was dreadful. I will say my now 13 year old daughter enjoyed it. So that was, uh, I, I was, I was kind of like, Oh, you know, you put how, it next to like, anything. how, how does her identity be kept secret? She doesn't have a mask or anything. Wouldn't, you know, wouldn't the whole world know? Or did they know? I don't know. She looks totally different. And, and she's been around, she's been around for 60 years and here is her method of security. So she foils like a crime at a, at a mall. And this is 1984. So there's no cell phones. There's no cameras. But she literally just says to the people there, shh, don't tell anybody. As if nobody would go home and say, hey, a flying woman in a metal outfit uh, with a magic lasso of sorts rescued us from guys with guns who were basically like the villains at home alone. Like they were, they were particularly incompetent. The big villain of the movie, uh, which is played by the guy who's the Mandalorian in a, in a ridiculous wig. Um, what Spoiler was his alert. 
Yeah, what was his end game exactly? Like, <laughs> like, like. Usually, you want to control the world. His was just like, I want to do yeah. stuff, and I don't care if any everybody, including me, dies. It made very, very little sense. But if you ever wanted to see Kristen Wiig dressed up in leftover costumes from Cats, uh, you'd be able to do that. All right, this has been silly. You can also contact us on Twitter at Seven Investing. That's at the number Seven Investing. Uh, it's been a ridiculous show. For Austin Lieberman, for Steve Simonton, I am Dan Klein. Uh, thanks for joining us, and we will see you on Wednesday. A reminder that people on this program may hold positions in the companies that are mentioned. Buying and selling stock carries financial risk, which could include the loss of capital. The views in this program should not be taken as personalized advice. Before acting on any of the information provided, listeners are encouraged to consult a financial or tax professional.